Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Mark chapter number 14, I want to read uh, just a few verses. My mind has been, uh, I've just been so many things going through my heart this morning and tried my best to settle on what God would have us to do and I, I believe this is it, certainly trusting God for the difference. Mark chapter number 14, we're going to begin at verse number 3 and just read... Uh, through verse 9. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily, I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Father, thank you for your word. We pray you would open it to our hearts. Lord, open our hearts to it. May it change us today. May it prick every heart and draw us in closer. May we recognize our shortcomings and where we need to get better. May we see the danger of being apathetic or indifferent to change. We're trusting God that you'll make the difference in all of this. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus made a statement concerning uh, this woman in verse number 8 that I want to leave with us this morning as a text. The platform of the message is based on a question, not one concerning this woman, but concerning you or concerning me. What Jesus said concerning this woman is that she hath done what she could. And the question to us today is, are we doing what we can? Are we doing what we can? Specifically, are you doing what you can? Uh, I I can't answer that for you, and you can't answer that for me. And I'm, I'm trying to be careful not to include a group of people or a husband and wife. This is a personal commitment that we're talking about here today. This woman had a choice. And uh, she made her choice that day, and it was evident, and there were a lot of things about it, I believe, 
that we'll see in the scripture this morning. But uh, I hope today that we recognize the importance of a response to the gospel. There'll be times when we hear the word, but we don't hear it. And then there'll be those times when we hear it and our heart begins to move within us, that we recognize that there is a need for change in our lives. Uh, If you get to the point in your Christian life that you think there is no more need for you to change, you've been deceived. Because there'll never be a point. I, I don't believe or never met anyone who certainly was trying to live for God that uh, got to the place where they said, I'm as close to God as I could ever get. I'm as close to Christ as I can be. I'm doing all that I can do. I want us to look at the scripture this morning, but I want to share some verses in support of the message this morning. And I want you, if you can turn in your Bibles, you're welcome to do that, but I'm going to read them for you. Matthew chapter number 16. I want to read verses 24 through 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my name's sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world but lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Romans chapter number 12 Verses number 1 and 2, the apostle said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One last scripture from the Old Testament I want to share with us before I begin or as we begin. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24. And David said, David the king said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Those three passages of scripture are meant to remind us of the cost for serving Christ. Um, We live in a country at this point where we are free and remain free to worship God however we want. As a matter of fact, in this country, you can worship anything you want. And we have chosen to worship, seems like, everything but God, but we still at this point have the privilege, the freedom to worship God without persecution. It's not like there everywhere. As a matter of fact, it's probably only like that here in this country. Now say that across this world there are people that suffer for the name of Christ every day and they do so gladly. They wake up every morning recognizing that there will be a cost today 
to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The church of America is certainly different. We have a freedom, but that freedom has caused so many to become apathetic or indifferent to the fact that a cost will always be paid when, when worship is involved. And as I thought about this today, I wanted to title the message, The Cost to Worship. But the more I, I thought about what really is at heart, it goes back to the question or the statement that Jesus made about this woman when he said that she hath done what she could. She's done all she can do. She has exhausted her resources. She has given everything she has that is of most value. She has done what she could. And I want us to challenge ourselves today as we enter or approach revival and ask ourselves if we also have done all that we can do. I read a passage from 2 Samuel chapter number 24. David had committed a great sin against God and God was judging him. He gave David, however, three opportunities or three options for his judgment and David chose the third one which basically was to fall into the hands of God and to allow pestilence into the land. And there was a great there was a great pestilence that occurred and according to the scripture 70,000 people were dead at this point and David began to cry out unto God for mercies claiming God I'm asking you to bring this upon me and not the people. Something David should have done in the beginning but he did not. But as he prayed God as he suspected had mercy upon him. And he stayed the plague and he held it back for a moment as David began to plead with God for mercy concerning the people. The Bible said that that the prophet came to him and told David that God had showed him mercy and told him that he needed to go and to make offering at the threshing floor of this man named Aruna. The Bible tells us there that he also was a king, likely the king of the Jebusites before David had taken over that land as the king of it. And here was a man that had been converted, probably a Gentile, but had been converted to Judaism, who had followed King David, supported King David. And the Bible says that when David began to approach, I I want you to see something about this, is that when David began to, to do the work that needed to be done, he did it himself. Now, as the king, he could have appointed anyone to go and find this man Aruna and to offer him a price. He could have sent any of his own emissaries, ambassadors to Aruna and said, look, the king has need of your threshing floor and this land to make an offering unto God. And yet what the Bible said is that David didn't leave it up to somebody else. He knew whose responsibility it was and he set out on his own to do the work that needed to be done. May I say today that there's not a person in the house this morning, whether you be uh, old or young, if you're a child of God today, you have a responsibility as pertains to the work of Jesus Christ and the house of God. There is something that is needful in you and I, something that needs to be woke up, something that needs to be stirred down deep in our soul that creates an allegiance and a willingness to go for Christ and to pay the price. A willingness to stand, a willingness 
to be counted for Christ as one of his own. There is a question that has to be asked today. Are you doing your best for Jesus Christ? The Bible said when Aruna saw David coming, that he ran to him. He asked him why he was come. David told him, he said, I've come to offer unto the Lord at your threshing floor. And he said, I need, I need to have it. I need to buy it from you. I need to have that which the Lord has required. And the Bible said, Aruna looked at him and he said, it's all yours. He said, as a king gives to another king, he said, everything I've got, you can have it. He said, I've got oxen and I've got, they have instruments on them of wood. You're welcome to take them. You're welcome to offer those oxen unto God as burnt offerings. You're welcome to take my threshing floor as your very own. You're welcome to take the instruments the oxen use and break up the wood and use that for the fire. And he said, all of this, he said, I gladly give it unto you. And David made a statement to him, uh, something that's pressed upon my heart for many years now. David made a statement to him and said, I will not take it uh, without a price. He said, for I will not offer unto God anything that cost me nothing. Now, I want you to say, I noticed today that there are things in my life that didn't cost me anything. The faith of my parents didn't cost me anything. But I want you to know it's precious and it's important and it helped guide me to the one who would save me one day. But brother, there was a cost in their lives. There was a willingness on their part to do what they could do for the sake of Jesus Christ and I want you to know it made a difference it makes a difference when we do what we can do people every day have an opportunity a decision to make listen you can spend all your life dedicated to a career dedicated to a hobby dedicated to something of this life but when it comes to the end pay the one thing going to matter and that's what we did for Jesus We play around with things of this world as if they have significance that is of an eternal weight, but it is not true. The things of this world have no value or lose all value in light of eternity. So the question becomes for you and I today, are we doing what we can do? You say, I've got problems. Well, join the human race. There ain't nobody around you. There's nobody in this room that does not have problems. There might be a difference in severity of problem from time to time, but you can rest assured that if your neighbor is smiling, tomorrow might be different. There will be something come that will upset your day. There will be something come that will challenge your heart. You'll not get out of this life unscathed. You are required, friend, as I am required, to give our every bit unto God today. What are you doing for him? Have you done what you could? Now, we might easily make that statement and answer that question before we hear the rest of what this woman did. But I want you to know that David made a very important distinction about what is required when it comes to serving God. Some of you are here today because others bore the burden. Some of you are able to go into a church You are able to sit on a bench. 
because somebody else bore the burden of that price for you. You live in a country where you are free. You live in a land where you can worship as you want to worship. But somebody died for that freedom. Somebody stood for that cost. Somebody paid that price. Somebody prayed that prayer. Somebody gave themselves to God. My question is, are we going to do the same thing? I have the privilege today to be able to look backwards some bit. There's a history recorded of this church. I don't claim this as any point of pride, just a point of reference. There were borings on the initial trustees of this church that helped build it, helped pay for it, and were part of it. May I say to you today that this church is here because they bore the price. In 1932, there were people that took upon themselves a burden to erect a church in the six-mile community. And they gave of their funds, they gave of their time, they gave of their talents, and they erected a church that sit right here to the left of this building. And brother, they paid a price so that others could come into a place where God was worshipped and the King of glory was declared that they might be saved. Somebody has to pay a price. In 1932, 90 years ago, a church was established in this community and somebody paid a price to do it. We sit today unaffected by this news, but I hope by the end of it it's troubling because in 1968, they chose to build another building. The building, as you see it here, The structure itself was erected in 1968. And you know what? I was born in 1967 and and didn't even live here at the time. Somebody paid the price. When I got here in 1975 or 76, whenever it was, and my parents, my dad had just been saved, and they started coming to the house of God and dragging me with them and dragging my brother with them. We were brought here and allowed to sit in a place that I have believed has been holy ever since it was given to God. But I want you to know today that I didn't pay the price for this church to be in this place today. I didn't pay that price. Somebody paid it for me. Somebody loved enough to give of their own finances, to give of their own abilities, to do something for God that was greater than their own flesh, to deny themselves, to chase after the Lord Jesus Christ, to give when it was hard to give, to do when they had little to do with, but they paid the price for others. I am able, I was able through all of my younger years to come through the doors of a church where I never doubted the word of God would be preached. Never one time did I walk through the doors of this church and sit under the preaching of a pastor or a preacher that was not declaring the word of God. And I want you to know today that I didn't pay that price. Those men, those women (laughs) that stand clear as heroes in my mind.
those deacons that, that are out there under a rock somewhere right now, they're dead and gone, but they paid a price. They paid a price so that a little boy one day could sit in this church and get convicted by the Holy Ghost of God and at nine year old get born again. Somebody did some work that I could get saved. I wonder today, are we willing to yield ourselves as the vessels and instruments of the divine and holy one and say, here I am, Lord. Use me, use me right now today to make a difference in this church, in this community so that as the days go on the weeks go on the years go on that Jesus may stay in this place she did what she could do God's not asking you to do something that you're not equipped to do you ever noticed he never challenges you to do something you can't do now most of us whine and say we can't do it but the truth is he won't ever ask you to do something you ain't able to do Amen, that ain't God. That goes, that's contrary to his nature and his love for you and I. As a matter of fact, I believe he's called all of us to something and many of us to more than something. He has called us to a work and that work will cost you. That work has a price to it. That, that calling has a price. You can't get away from that part of it. There is a price tag that comes with serving Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you today, amen, to make a decision between Christ or the enemy. What I'm asking you today, that is if you are a child of God today, make a decision that I'm gonna give my all for Jesus Christ. I don't know if you have picked up on it, but I feel an urgency concerning the need for souls right now. There is something fixing to happen. I don't know what it is. I'm not a seer, but I know the one who is. And I know the spirit of the one who abides in my soul. And what I'm saying today is I don't know all the cost. I don't know everything that it will cost me to serve God. But what I am saying is it's his. He can have it whatever he wants. I want to be the servant that is willing to do whatever it takes to see God exalted and Christ magnified that souls may be saved. But I can't pay all the cost. I'm not even talking about the cost that Christ paid. I'm just talking about what I read to you in Romans 12. Where he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, I'm not talking about your neighbor, I'm talking about you. Present yourselves, present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Let's stop right there and see if we don't need a reckoning or two in our lives. How many of us have truly given ourselves holy and acceptable unto God? How many of us? We say we need God. We say our people need God. We say we're desperate for God. Are we really? Most of the time you can check the heart or the heat of the investment by the amount of times that you've checked it, by the amount of times that you've concerned yourself with it. May I say to you today, 
that we're in a time when it's going to cost you to serve God. I'm not covering this up. I'm not sugarcoating it for you. I'm telling you right now, it'll cost you. It'll cost everything you've got, Billy. If you're going to sell out to Christ, you've got to give up. The Word of God is clear from Genesis to Revelations. We've a picture after picture after picture of man and woman that have been called to serve God. And the Bible said when they left, they left it all behind. When he called the disciples, the Bible said they threw their nets down and they followed him. What it cost old Peter cost him his his whole his whole career. Jesus, all he said to him was, I'll make you fishers of men. It's the only promise Peter had to go on. And yet he forsook it all and he followed Christ. Over and over. You, you can't preach all this. Not one time. You can go from the back to the front. Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. Joseph. Going down, Moses, Elisha, Elijah, Daniel, all the pro- you know what it cost them? It cost them everything. Some of them sat in jails, having been beaten, stripped of everything. You know what they kept doing? Praying. You know, they were still paying a cost inside the prison. When old Paul was locked up, he was writing letters. You know how? Because he loved him, pitiful people. He loved him people, and he was still working. It didn't make any difference to Paul. He said all that other stuff, he said, I I counted as dung. There ain't any of it worth having. He said, everything that I have is Christ. Ain't none of it matters except Christ. I give it all for Jesus Christ today. Say, preacher, you're, you're preaching as if you're trying to get some missionaries together. We need some people that'll go to work for God. We need them quick. I'm just trying to ask you, are you doing everything you can? Or have you laid down on God? Have you shortchanged God? Have you, have you told God, this is my limit. This is all I'm willing to serve you. I need this or I need that. And that, that don't fit with your schedule. So you and I ain't eye to eye on some things. But I'll give you on Sunday morning. Or I'll give you a little on Wednesday night. Or I'll give a little of my money. Or I'll give a little of my time. But I, you can't have it all. I need to go fishing. Or I need to go hunting. Or I need to go something. It don't make any difference what you need, friend. What I'm saying is we've lost out to our rights when we died and were saved by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's trying to make something of us that has eternal value. Well, let's look at what she had. The Bible said that she had an ointment of spikenard. Now, we're talking about a woman of ill repute here, maybe. We're not exactly sure who this was. Some say it was Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Some say it was Mary Magdalene of whom he cast out seven devils. There are like stories in the other gospels, but they're not identical, so I don't believe it's the same one. I believe these are this one's different. I believe this person, this woman that came, 
was so in love with Jesus that she rounded up the most precious thing she could find, the most important, the most, the most valued thing that she had in her possession. She determined what that was, and she made up her mind. Now, I want you to catch number one here is that God wasn't requiring it. Did you know that your gift has to be offered? Did you know that God won't make you do anything that I'm saying this morning? You got to want this business. You got to want to do what I'm talking about. You got to be willing. Amen. You got to be willing to do what we're talking about this morning. This woman looked at all of the things and of the most prized possessions she had, the most valued, the most worthwhile. And the Bible said she took that and she had every intention and did give every bit of that for Christ. Jesus made this statement. This is how we know she did. He said, she hath done what she could. She did more than you cats. Sitting there at Simon's house. He said, she's done more than you. And one of the other gospels, it does speak of this one. And he spoke directly to Simon. He said, you, when I came in, you didn't give me any kiss. You didn't give me any water to wash my feet. You didn't do it. He said, yet this woman, from the time I come in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. And to wash them with the tears of her eyes and dry them with the hair of her head. That's the difference between one who is committed to Christ and one who is simply watching Christ. One who is following according to the scripture in Matthew 26, he that will lose his life shall find it. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I am saying that there is an expectation for the followers of Christ that we give up everything for him. Now that's radical. And there are people that certainly don't want to go along with such ideas as that. But may I say to you today, if there is anything in your life that you reserve for yourself alone, he will identify that. Because let me tell you where that begins to violate the will and the scripture of God. Let's look at number one. The Bible said, thou shall have no other gods. But let me tell you something. If there is anything in your life that is more important than Jesus Christ, that is a God. You tell me or don't tell me. But you think about this. What in my life is more important than my service to Jesus Christ? Are my friendships more important than Christ? Is my job more important than Jesus Christ? Is my wife, is my husband, are my children, are my possessions... Is anything that I have something that I value and will not fully give to Christ all in all right now? If I'm not willing, if there is any part of my life that holds on to this world, then I am no longer the friend of God but the friend of the world. If I value something greater than Christ, it is a God to me. And I can assure you this, you're not serving both. 
If you're serving something else, you ain't serving God. He won't have that. God's not fooled by our halting between two opinions. God's not fooled about how we half-hearted serve him sometimes. I want you to look at a woman who didn't half-heartedly come to the meeting that night. When she came through the door, she came on business for the king. She didn't care what none of them rascals thought, and they all were thinking. She didn't care what it was going to cost her, had no thought to the value of what she was fixing to give. But what she, what mattered to her was that the one who saved her was sitting in that room. What mattered to her was that her shepherd and king was sitting in that room. What mattered to her was the one that gave himself for her was sitting in that room. How many of us are so in love with Christ that everything else in our lives pales in comparison How many of us need to check our own priorities and to know where we stand with God? Listen, don't look at me as if as if this is some foreign subject, friend. From the very beginning, he's been clear about other gods. Have you given what you could? Number one, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, somebody needs to bring me some spikenard. He wasn't standing at the door and saying, I need somebody to bring the ointment for my memorial. Say, preacher, if God will just show me that he needs more of my time, I'll be glad to give it to him. You done missed the point, friend. You've done fell in the ditch. You understand what? He's looking for is what we'll give. God, have mercy. It has to make me give it. I don't believe he works that way. I believe he understands my heart. And if I ain't willing to give it, it's a heart problem. It ain't like God needs none of my stuff. You think God can't make it without you? I am absolutely, I know without a doubt, God don't need me. No, let me be clear. This is all my privilege to be a part of. I bring nothing to the table. But a bucket. Oh, that we could do what we could. It wasn't required, but what was brought, according to the scriptures, was very precious. Spikenard ointment was rare, one of those fragrant substances, and was valued highly because of its, of its value and usefulness because it was used in the burial. Of someone who died. And that's everybody. So that made that made its purpose great and, and its value grand. I want you to know that what she brought to the Lord that day was was very 
precious. May I say to you today that some of you have been bringing some very precious things to the Lord. I see it. I'm not going to call them out because I'd miss some that are doing the same. But I just want you to know that he knows. He knows what you've been doing in private. He knows what you've been doing in your closet. He knows what you've told him. He knows what you've offered. He knows what you've gave. And brother, I want you to know that if it was given from the heart, the Lord received it. And brother, he is glad to let you know, brother, that if you'll just give what you can give, he'll do something with it. The ointment was precious. I wonder today how many of us are truly looking at those things in our lives that are precious and thinking to ourselves, how can I commit this unto God? How can I give this unto God? We're more worried about our leisure. We're more worried about our entertainment. We're more worried about our downtime, our off time, my needs, my wants, all these other things. I want you to know it ain't nothing but the rottenness of the flesh lying to you every day. It ain't about what you get. It's about what you give away. What are you giving? What are you giving? Boys, He had a a word about this. He said, Scout, she gave gave all she could give. Very precious ointment. Not only was the ointment precious, but the ointment had purpose. You say, preacher, my, my life as pertains to Christ doesn't have any real meaning or purpose. Listen to me. You think for one minute that God saved you on accident. You think somehow or another, because you're this or you're that, you're young or you're old or you're male or you're female or you're this or you're something else, that somehow or another God can't use you. Listen, when it comes time to get word across, he used a donkey when he wanted to. You think he can't use you. Let me tell you something. You are very precious. I'm just asking, are you willing to give you Let's start with you. And then maybe we'll get to your finances and your hobbies and everything else in your life's crowding out Jesus Christ. Every one of them other reasons that you're coming up with why you can't serve God 100% of the time, 100% of the time, we have to stand up and be honest about ourselves today. What are we really giving Now, I've done told you, some of you are sitting here today like about Riley's age. And this ain't none of your fault. You're just young. You didn't pay for none of this. But you're getting the benefit of it. Your mother and dad raising you in church and bringing you to this. You're getting the benefit of it. But you didn't pay for it. But somebody did. Somebody was willing to pay the price for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. How many generations are left? How many of us are going to give up today when a price has to be paid now? It was precious ointment, but it was also purposeful ointment. 
Jesus made it clear. He said what she did, she didn't even understand the true purpose of. I realize today that you may be entering into this this, this whole thing this morning strictly on faith saying, God, I, I don't know what I've got that you want, but you can have it. I don't have any idea how you can use something like me, but here I am. I realize you're in that position. I'm there all the time. But may I say to you, brother, when you give it unto God, the purposes are eternal and heavenly, and he knows just exactly what to do with it. But you know what? He can't do nothing with it until you give it. Until you've made the commitment and said, Lord, 100%, 100%, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. Whatever it costs me, whatever it takes, I want you to have it all. The ointment was precious. Oh, to God, if you could just see how precious it is, what you have. But you've got to give it. Listen, he ain't going to snatch it from you. You've got to be willing in this thing. He wants to use what he's given you. But he needs you to give it back. He needs you to give it, offer it. It was precious and her gift was purposeful. It had meaning. Listen to me today. I'm going to say this one more time and I'm going to move on and close. But what you have to offer is purposeful. There is a purpose in what you have. But you've got to give it to God. The ointment was what was in the box. The ointment was precious and the ointment was purposeful. But I want to talk about now the box. It was unique within itself. What was in the box was of the greatest value, but I want you to know that the box itself had significance. The Bible said it was made of alabaster. Best I can read and understand about alabaster is it's a mineral, a rock that is soft enough that it can be carved. Most of the statues you saw in the early Roman and Greek times, most of the ornaments they used to, to decorate their palaces and, and, and places, they, they did it out of alabaster because they could carve it. It was white as snow, sometimes even translucent. But they would take that rock and it was soft enough that they could carve away all of the things that weren't necessary and turn it into something that was extraordinary. May I say today that when you look in the mirror, I'll grant you that when you look in the mirror, you don't see nothing but a block. But brother, if that block's been to the blood and it's been made white as snow, I'm telling you right now, when the Holy Spirit starts carving on it, when it begins to start doing the work on it, he will turn it into something that is magnificent and is useful for his glory, his honor, his lordship. He's worthy and none other is worthy. If there's anything that ought to be done with my life, it ought to be laid in sacrifice on the altar unto God Almighty today. The box itself was significant. Take heart, I'm almost done. 
the box was all so significant. They would take that block of alabaster, that, that rock of mineral, they would carve away the inside of it until it became a cavity that could contain something else. How many know today that he's still working on you? How many know today that even though you are priceless in the sight of God, that he's still got work to do on the box? He's still trying to work on you. He's still trying. And you know what? Some of you, he's already done some stuff on the outside of it. Amen, that the rest can see. He's already started putting some of his special touch on the outside. Amen, and we can see the glory of it. We can see the beauty of it. You say, preacher, surely you're not talking about, I don't care today if you're the oldest or the youngest among us, if you're a child of God and you yielded your body. Is that not what Paul said? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. A living sacrifice. You know what that is? That's laying that old alabaster rock on the altar every day. And it's saying, God, I don't know what you can do with this thing, but would you do something with it? And he'll pick that thing up. And boy, when you'll just give it to him, son, he'll say, let me do this. You don't know, you see. You look in the mirror and all you see is the same old destiny. But there's a day. There's a day when he's going to bring me into his presence and he's going to show the Father, look at that one. Look what I did with that. And all the glory will not go to the box. It'll go to the maker. It matters what you do. It matters how you live. It matters what you give. It matters whether or not you have made a commitment to Christ. He cannot do the work on you until you have laid it on the altar. The box itself was significant. Alabaster boxes were simply containers that had been, the rock had been hollowed out in a container, a vessel made, and then they would, they'd make a separate piece into a lid that would fit exactly with grooves on the top, over the top ledges of that box. That, that lid would set down on top of it. Some of them were tall and ornate lids that had been very carefully designed and, and created. And I don't know what kind this woman had, but I believe it was, it, the Bible mentioned it. So I make, believe that makes it significant. It's because the Bible spoke of it. Let me tell you just a couple of things about the box. Number one, she broke it. Now, I done told you the thing had a lid. You don't make a box unless you make a lid. You don't keep spikenered in something that don't have a top. The box had a lid, which indicated all she had to do was take the lid off and pour it on him. But is that what she did? 
No, the Bible said she did something far more radical than that. The Bible said she broke the box. Now, as I was reading about alabaster, it's pretty stout. It's soft and carvable, but that doesn't mean structurally it's not sound. It was strong. And yet the Bible said she broke the box. You know what the indication there is? She didn't aim to take nothing home. See, the problem with some when they come to do business with God is in the back of their mind, they're trying to make a deal. They're trying to say, well, you can have all of this. But I'm going to keep this little part right here. I need that me. That's, that's, that's about me. I got needs too, you know. I can't, I can't give everything to God. I won't, I won't have nothing. Bless your heart. You think you have something? You think anything that's yours ain't his? You think anything you got he ain't give you? And could take it? All the way. What ought to be the simplest thing we've ever decided is to give it all to God. He gave it all to us. You see, the box itself, this gal done made up her mind when she walked through the door, I ain't taking nothing home with me. I intend to give him every drop that's in that box and she wasn't content in just throwing the lid off and and making sure it was all good. No, she said, I am breaking this thing lest anybody think I took something home. Bless God, the problem with some of us is we keep taking stuff back home with us. We'll get on the altar and we'll say, Lord, here I am. But by the time we get up, we done made up our mind. Well, but I can't serve him on this day or I can't come to church on this time. Cost too much. What's getting in your way? She broke the box. Last. Was the box wasn't easy to break. Been a whole lot easier just to take the lid off. How many times you just want to take the easy way out? You know what God says? That's fine. <coughs> Take the easy way, you get the small reward. What to say? This is this is of eternal weight. You want to take the easy way out? It's up to you. See, it was hard to break that box. You didn't just crush it with your hand. Now, this, this woman had to, had to bash this thing on something in order to break it. It wasn't easy. No, no, I'm not suggesting today that what this woman was easy. I believe it was one of the most difficult things she probably ever did because Jesus made a big deal about it. Remember? Poor old widow woman, it's... Scuffled around the line, she cast in her two pennies. And Jesus stopped the whole deal and said, did you see that? They said, what are you talking about? 
He said, that woman just gave more than anybody else that was in line. How so? He said, because she gave of her want, not of her abundance. What was he saying? He was saying she didn't have that money to give, but she did. Anybody doubt whether or not that old gal got took care of? Boys, I was going to preach on that widow and old Elijah, but I crossed it out. But I will say this. When the widow said, whatever you want, God said, let's make that old mill barrel never go empty. There you go. It's that simple. Jesus made a simple statement about this woman. Vicky, if you'd come get us home, Roger. He made a simple statement. You know, and I don't know if I've done a thing good. But when I get there, Paul. I'd like to hear him say he did what he could. He did all he could. And I'm afraid that's where we're missing it. We sit back and let petty things like worry and doubt and fear and strife and all of these other things convince us that living anything less than 100% sold out to Christ is acceptable. And I'm here to tell you this morning it is not. It is not. She did what she could. And he said, by the way, what she did will be preached as a memorial for her until no more gospel is preached. This story, he said, will continue to be told. Whatever she did was significant. He made a big deal about what this woman did. I'm wondering if we're really ready to offer God everything. If you're really ready to do business with God this morning and say, Lord, I I don't even know if I'm holding back on you but I'm going to lay it on the altar right now and I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to fix me right now. You can have it. You can have my days. You can have my nights. You can have my money. You can have my home. You can have my, my cars. You can have my boat. You can have everything. I, I don't want to own nothing that ain't yours. I want you to be in charge of everything in my life. I need you, God, to receive all of me today. Make a difference in us. Make a difference in us. Oh, if you'd come and pray with us this morning, would you come? Join us in the altar of prayer as we sing. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord.